Romans chapter 4, verses 11 through 12 is where we're going to be at tonight. In a hospital, cleanliness is very important. My wife and I, we lived in Honduras for a year and a half, and I went to the hospitals in Honduras to pray um, for the sick. And, and one of the things that makes it not clean is the fact that they don't have air conditioning many times. And so if you can think about it, I went to a room, I was looking for a specific guy in our church, and in the room they had, um, they had five different people um, on, on maybe full-size beds with no A.C., uh, nothing looked clean. The, 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 the floors were dirty. I mean, it was just, it was really bad. In America, we're blessed to have good hospitals. In a hospital, cleanliness is very important. In fact, the closer you get to the operating room, the more important it is, right? If, you, if you're in an emergency room many times, that, that can get a little, little weird, but that, you, you're willing to overlook that as long as your room is clean. Doctors in an operating room are very concerned about the scalpel not only to be clean, but that it won't be dusty, that it won't uh, be rusty. It's just they make sure that the tools are good. And, he's because, and the reason why is because the smallest amount of impurity can contaminate the procedure. So there's great efforts that are made to sterilize the equipment so that all impurity is removed and no infection sets in. I want you to think about this for a second. If human doctors go through a great detail in an operating room to make sure that the environment is totally free from contamination, then it ought to shock us that our ability to help others can be affected by our righteousness. Repeat that one more time. If human doctors make sure that everything's free from contamination so that they can effectively help other people, then it should give us a parallel that our ability to help others will be affected by our righteousness. Romans chapter 4, verse 11 and 12 speaks about this very dynamic. It says, He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that righteousness will be counted to them as well. Verse 12, and to make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. I want to preach a sermon that I've entitled, The Seal of Righteousness. Let's pray tonight. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity, God, that you have given us to be your church, your people here tonight gathered under your name. God, I do not come in my own talents, my own ability, but I hide behind your cross. I pray a special anointing upon my words here tonight, God. Bless your servants, God, as I minister tonight, Father. I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. We pray, and the people of God said... Amen. I want to start off with my first thought, and that is work out your own salvation. We know Abraham as the father of faith. And this is an incredible title. We might ask, what did he do to get that title? 
How much did he have to pay? Who did he know to get that title? But the truth is that this title of father of faith or father of the faith came from a very mere belief in God. Romans chapter 4 verses 1 and 3 says, What then shall we say was gained by Abraham our forefather according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. Verse 3, for what the scriptures say? That's a good question to ask, isn't it? Anytime you're going through, through things in life, questions, you should ask that. For what the scriptures say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. It was a simple trust in God. This trust included everything that was in him, everything that was under him, his will, his possessions, his family. We know the very uh, famous story that God called them to the unknown and he's able to hear from God and pick up not only himself but his family to go somewhere he doesn't know this was because of a simple and mere belief in God the text says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him the metaphor used for the word counted in the Greek is to pass to one's account. The picture here is like a wire transfer or even a Zelle transfer when you can go on your bank app and, and send 20 bucks to somebody by just say, pressing send. This is the picture here. Abraham believed God sent him righteousness. Abraham received from God righteousness that he did not deserve. This is true for us. We receive righteousness in our confession of faith in God. See, the word righteousness is to be right standing with God, to be in an acceptable condition. The point here, righteousness is not heritage. It has nothing to do with background. It has nothing to do with culture. It is personal decisions that we make for God. Righteousness is the way we live. It is our approach to life. Matthew chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, it says, Bear fruits worthy of repentance, and do not think to say to yourself, We have Abraham as our father. Why would anybody say that? For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised them from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 10, for with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. He believed, and God sent him righteousness. We read in Matthew, they say, Jesus says, don't say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. This is not just something that happened there. This is common in Christianity. Many of us, or many people in church would say, I'm saved because I go to the potter's house. That's not true, right? That's, uh, that's not the way you get saved. Or, uh, or I'm saved because I go to church. Or, or I'm saved because I, I don't cuss. Or I'm saved because I know some scriptures. But listen, the truth of the matter is that Abraham believed God. Say Abraham. Abraham. And it was counted to him. Say him. That was his account. God zelled righteousness to him because he believed. 
Paul teaches us in Philippians that salvation is a personal matter. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. See, when we die and stand in front of God, you're not going to be able to blame the church. You won't be able to blame pastor. You won't be able to blame the ushers. You won't be able to blame your wife. You won't be able to blame your husband. Work out your own salvation. Well, fear and trembling. This word work out means exactly what you think it means. It means to fashion or to, sh or to shape. It means that the responsibility is on you. The picture is that of a blacksmith who can shape material that he didn't create. Think about this. A blacksmith, somebody that makes knives, somebody that makes swords, he's able to put this metal in this fire and begin to get it to a place where it's moldable, it's shapeable, but he didn't make that metal. He doesn't make it, he shapes it. Working out your salvation, that's exactly what it means. I get it. We're saved by the grace of God. God started this, but you still have to work it out. Here recently, I was gifted a bonsai tree. And one of my pastor's friend, Jerry Jackson, he bought a bonsai tree. And Pastor Shai is Asian. He, he doesn't have a bonsai tree, but he's just Asian. So, <laughs> so we're talking about bonsai trees. <laughs> and he was telling me about bonsai tree scissors that cost $35,000. He said, you can get cheap ones on Amazon for 30 bucks, but it just won't cut the same. Now begin to think about that. $35,000 for scissors. Obviously, somebody finds value in shaping. See, there is importance in shaping. Shaping what was given to us. Our salvation was given to us. This was something that was handed to you from God. But we have to work out with fear and trembling. I want to move on to my second thought. And that is the peril of Gnosticism. So I want to define this word Gnosticism. But to define Gnosticism is about as easy to nail down a flopping fish. Gnosticism has shifted over thousands of years. But the spirit of Gnosticism lives out especially in New Age religion. This whole witchcraft, this, this, uh, this, this whole spiritual journey and... and um, Try not to step on toes, but these essential oils kind of, kind of thing, you know. And, and I'm not saying that every everything is witchcraft, but what I'm saying is that it can get real weird around there. One person, maybe apart from Adrian, <laughs> know what I'm talking about? Through Gnosticism, through the belief, or what it is, is that your spirit and flesh is completely separated. Why don't you hear me out? Gnosticism, by definition is a belief which promotes a radical separation between the world of physical matter with that of the spirit. And although you might not find somebody in this world who says, I subscribe to Gnosticism, 
but that very spirit creeps into the church, creeps into ideologies. And let me explain this. Albert Einstein, maybe you guys think he's very smart, right? You can tell by his hair, right? Albert Einstein stated he did not believe in a personal God who concerns himself with fates and actions of human beings. A view which he describes as naive, but by spirit we know as Gnosticism. He goes on to say, I believe in God. I'm not an atheist, but he doesn't care about what I do. And this is interesting because Einstein was a brilliant mind, but also an adulterer. See, the problem with Gnosticism is that it makes it very easy to sin. Psalms 50 verse 6 says, Let the heavens declare his righteousness, for God himself is judge. God is a God of righteousness. To understand righteousness, we have to understand that God sets the terms. Gnosticism is completely unbiblical. Our Bible teaches us that our bodies are intertwined with our soul. That what we do with our bodies, what we do physically has a spiritual tie. Consider what Paul says about our bodies in Romans chapter 6 verses 12 and 13. It says, let not sin therefore reign in your spirit, right? Is it not on the screen? Because that's not what it says. Yeah, mortal. What? Bodies. Do, do I need to give you guys a Greek definition for mortal bodies? Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passion. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Listen, there is no need for interpretation. Mortal bodies means your body. Pinch yourself. That's your definition. Romans 12.1 I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Body. The Greek word is soma, which means flesh and corpse. In other words, in this Romans 12, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your flesh, to present your corpse, to present your physical body as a living sacrifice. Gnosticism. The idea that you can do whatever you want to do with your body and it won't affect your spirit is completely from hell. And there are consequences we'll have in this worldview. See, the problem with adopting this view is that it becomes easy to justify carnality. If what we do with our body doesn't affect our spirits or our eternity, then why does it matter what we do in this life? This is why, this is why a lot of people, they hear the doctrine of once saved, always saved, and they say, hey, I like that. Pff, I can pray once and do whatever I want. borderline idolatry when we can create our own gods we set the terms right it's our basketball game so we we call the shots listen it's by grace through faith that we're saved but to have impact in people 
we're going to have to be righteous. And righteousness has to do with your body. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to present this biblically tonight. Righteousness is counted to us by faith. But works are the evidence of righteousness in our life. James 2.26, for as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Faith is what counted righteousness for Abraham, but our scripture says that faith apart from works is dead. See, evangelism, discipleship, and ministry are all areas where if we want to be effective and have impact, we're going to have to do work. We're going to have to be righteous. Salvation is our foundation, and it cannot be ignored. You need a relationship with God. I get that. But impact is made as we make decisions physically with our body. Our text says something incredible. It speaks about the seal of righteousness. It says the seal of righteousness was that sign of circumcision. And the purpose was to make Abraham the father of all. All right, that's a mouthful. So I want to read it in the Amplified Version. And maybe it could clear some things up for us. Romans chapter 4, verses 10 through 13. This is the Amplified Version. Follow me. It says, how then was it credited to him? Was it before or after that he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. That's good. That's good for you. You were saved before you obeyed. You were saved. God looked at you. He loved you. He pursued you. You didn't have to become perfect. You didn't have to become righteous for him to save you. It was accounted to you as you believed in him. Verse 11, he received the mark, the seal, the mark of circumcision as a token or an evidence. The seal of righteousness which he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. So that he was to be made the father of all who truly believe. Though without circumcision and who thus have righteousness imputed to them and credited to their account. Verse 12, as well as that he be made the father of those circumcised persons who are not merely circumcised, but also walk in the way of the faith which our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. Verse 13 says, for the promise to Abraham or his posterity that he should inherit the world did not come through just observing the commands of the law, but through the righteousness of faith. His salvation was settled before circumcision. But his future and the future generations were impacted in his obedience to God's command of circumcision, which was the evidence of righteousness. Listen, this is, the, this is true for our life. Our righteousness or lack thereof will affect the impact we have in others. Not only on the outsiders as we try to reach them, but your children, other people in the church. That's nothing to do with your salvation. That's between you and God. Work it out on your own with fear and trembling. But if you want to make impact in other people, it's not enough for you to say, I'm saved. You have to be righteous. See, there are many saved people are spiritually barren because they don't have a life obedient to God's request. Oh, you might be going to heaven, but your life is not helping others make heaven their home. 
You might escape hell, but you don't have disciples. See, discipleship is a lengthy and detailed process. People want salvation, but don't want to put in the time to be strong disciples. What many Christians want to do is to audit the Christian life. An audit is where a person goes to class to get information, but is not required to do any of the work. They don't have to take a test or do any homework. They're only attending for informational purposes. They want the data without the responsibility. That's what some folks do every Sunday. They audit Jesus. They audit God. Listen, you want to help other people. You want to have disciples. You want to impact other people. It has a lot more to do with our heart and who we are than what we say or the image we want to portray. You've heard it said before. We minister who we are, not who we intend to be. We minister who we are. Listen, men, you want to make a disciple, you're going to have to live a righteous life. Your wife can make disciples for you. The books you read or the sermons you preach are not enough to make disciples. True discipleship has a lasting impression on generations. Hence, the father to all. Dr. Stephen Brown said this incredible statement, which I want every man that aspires to be a pastor or a disciple maker to hear me out. He says, you're not a leader until you have produced a leader who can produce another leader. He says, there's a process. You can, you can replace the word leader with disciple. You're, you're not a disciple maker until you have produced a disciple who has produced another disciple. Because it has to do with generations. And this impact here is not something that we can just talk about. It's not something that we can just preach about. It has to be in us through righteousness. I want to close on my third point. That is the impact of the seal of righteousness. Our text tells us the purpose of this. Verse 12 says, And to make him the father of the circumcised, who are not merely circumcised, but who also uh, walk in the footsteps, is actually in verse 11. So read it with me. Verse 11, He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness, that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. And he says, the purpose. Say with me, the purpose. Scripture saying, this is why he got it. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that righteousness will be accounted to them as well. In other words, he says, the Bible is telling us this has to do with generations to come. See, the purpose was for Abraham to become a spiritual father Again, we minister who we are. And if your life doesn't show evidence of righteousness, listen to me, you will lack influence in other people. You cannot help others unless you are righteous. You might be able to guide them for a moment. You might be able to give them some good words, some good advice. You might even be able to point them, go to pastor or go to this person. But your life will lack influence. 
Your life will lack impact because you don't live a righteous life. So you might ask yourself, well, where is this evidence? Where is this evidence seen? Well, let me ask a few questions. Number one, who are you when nobody's watching? How do you speak when church is not around? How's your character, your integrity? What about your finances? How's your marriage? This is the areas where evidence is seen. Listen, this is a dynamic that we cannot ignore. Repentance fixes your relationship with God. But if you can't live righteously, you won't be able to build anything worthwhile in the kingdom of God. Abraham's seal of righteousness was his obedience to God's word of instruction. It was a circumcision. Did he have to get circumcised to be saved? No. Right? That's what Paul was talking about. He said it was accounted, righteousness was accounted to him just by belief. It was before the circumcision. But the seal of righteousness, the purpose was so that he could become a father. Listen to me, men and women. You want to have impact in other people's lives. It has to be more than just you being saved. You were saved because God loved you. And God loves you. And he died on the cross for you. He sent his only begotten son. He died on the cross. And that was accounted to you as you believed. And that is something you hold on to. But listen, to be a father, to be a mother, spiritual father, spiritual mother, to be able to impact and influence people, it has to come through the seal of righteousness. His faith counted for righteousness for him. But his obedience was the seal of righteousness that helped others. You following me tonight? Let's read it again, verses 11 through 12, or 11 and 12. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal. This word seal is the same word that's used for signet rings or markings. It's like a stamp that a king will use. So this circumcision was a stamp of righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believed without being circumcised. Check this out. So that righteousness will be counted to them as well. Incredible. Incredible dynamic. That other people will be impacted as you obey God. Verse 12, and to make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. The potential impact of a righteous life is an influence that will last for generations to come. Listen, righteousness is not perfection. It's justification. And you're justified as you live a life surrendered to God. And there's people here tonight, listen, your impact and your influence will grow as you surrender your life to Christ. And you begin to obey. Father of all, this title comes from the promise that God gave Abraham. Book of Genesis chapter 22 verses 16 through 18. And said, by myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. 
And I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gates of his enemy. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. See, righteousness sealed this for generations to come. Abraham's impact went offspring through offspring, generation through generation, not simply because he was saved, but because he obeyed the voice of God going further from his salvation. This impact is numerous. You know, the better question to ask is, who knows how far this reach when we choose to be righteous When you choose to be righteous, who knows how much of an impact you can have on people. Listen, as Christians, we know Christian lingo. We know the words to say. As a matter of fact, you can look like a Christian without being a Christian, right? Right? you 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 can even give advice. You can even counsel some of you guys. You've been in church so long, you might be able to you might be able to counsel some marriages. You might be able to give some some godly advice. But if you want generations to come, that impact the father of all, that impact, then righteousness needs to back up your words. You want to be able to make disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples. That's going to come through your living of righteous righteousness, your purity. You looking at yourself and being able to analyze yourself. Being able to say, you know what, I, I need to work on myself so that I can make a greater impact. You know, really, this is a spirit of our fellowship. That somewhere we, we don't just send our guys to seminary school. That we don't just go, hey, learn how to preach or go, 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 read, go read some books. No, the we deal with their character. They have to sit through these sermons. They, they run these ministries that, that make them go crazy. And then they start, start, start things begin to overflow from their heart. And, and pastors able to deal with them. That's the door director role. Amen? That things begin to come out that, you know what, that, that it was in there. And we deal with the character. We deal with the deep things so that when they go out there, it's not that they know how to preach. It's the fact that they're righteous is that they're surrendered to God, that when God speaks, when God says, you need to get circumcised, they don't fight it. They don't, they don't just say, you know what, God, I'll, I'll do that later. Let me preach. But they do it when God says it. There might be people here tonight, listen, you want to do something for God, but you don't want to obey him. You want the disciples, you want the, you want the churches, you want, you want the men and women, you want the influence, you might even want the titles, but you're not willing to be righteous. You might be able to move through the ranks of churchianity and Christianity, and you might even get some titles every once in a while. But listen, you're not going to have any worthwhile impact. The title, he was, he was father of faith, but the father of all came through his obedience, through that seal of righteousness. There's people here today, God's dealing with you. You've called out to God. You've even said words like, God, use me. 
God, use me in any way you want to. Well, God's answering your call here tonight. He's saying, I want you to live righteously. Be holy because I'm holy. That's what God said. And I get every head bowed and every eye closed. The seal of righteousness. I was given some advice when I was in Honduras by the leader in Guatemala. His name is Otoniel Rodriguez. We're just talking about revival. We're talking about wanting to see people saved. And he said, there is no movement of God that wasn't prefaced with purity. He says, you want revival? Well, then consecrate yourself. Make decisions. Cut out sin. And maybe it might not be this gross sin. You might not be in adultery. You might not be drugs and alcohol, watching porn. I mean, you're not doing any of this stuff. But you're prideful. You're rebellious. Rebellious to God, rebellious to headship. You have this complaining spirit. Those are the things that when Jesus said, if your right hand causes you to sin, then cut it off. Those are the things we need to do. And tonight you're here, God's dealing with you. You're not saved, you're not right. Well, God, if that's you, would you raise your hand? I want to pray for you. Maybe you're backslidden, a person who used to be right with God, but today you're far from him. Quickly, not saved or backslidden, but you want to get right. Would you raise your hand tonight? Amen. Very well. I want to change the order of the service. I want to speak to Christians. I want to speak to the church tonight. Listen, beloved, this is an incredible text that we see. Abraham became a father to many generations. Many, many, many people. Because he was willing to hear and listen and obey God's voice. Not just once. Oh, listen, salvation came to him. Righteousness came to him as he believed. He believed in him. That's how righteousness was accredited to him. But anything else was through his obedience. We think about Isaac being placed on the altar, on the stone. And this is where we read in Genesis, because you didn't hold back your son. He says, that's why I'm going to promise, I'm going to bless your offspring. When he had to circumcise his children, he had to circumcise himself. This was something that wasn't a part of their custom, a part of who they were. But God said it, so we have to do it. And because he had that spirit, God says, I'll make you the father of all. There's people here today, listen, you have a great destiny and calling. There are people who are going to get saved because you opened your mouth, because you had the courage to go to them. Oh, but what a greater destiny that we can't even comprehend, we can't even see. 
that's out there for us as we decide, God, I'm going to live a righteous life. I'm going to live pure. I'm going to do what your word says. I'm going to follow your commandments. And when I see that there's something wrong in me, I'm going to fix it. That's, that's righteousness right there. That's righteousness, not perfection, but that's righteousness and justification. We're justified when we have that spirit. When God, you reveal it to me, God, you show it to me, I'll, I'll change it. God wants that from you. God wants that from every single one of us here tonight. And I believe that's where we'll find revival. If we can get people who will consecrate themselves, who will purify themselves at the Lord's command. I want to open up these altars. Let's all stand up to our feet. Every single one of us to stand up to our feet tonight. These altars are open. Let's come and do some business with Jesus Christ tonight. Let's come and talk to him. Let's pray as we sing out the song. You are here moving in our midst. I worship you. I worship you. You are here working in this place. I worship you. I worship you. You are here. You are here moving in our midst. I worship you. I worship you. You are here working in this place. I worship you. I worship you. You are. You are way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. You are way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. You are here. You are here, touching every heart. I worship you. Oh, we thank you, God. I worship you. You are here, healing every heart. I worship you. I worship you. You are here. You are here, turning lives around. I worship you. I worship you. You are here. Oh, hallelujah. Mending every heart. Oh, let's stand up to our feet. Let's sing this song together. I worship you. I worship you. Oh, would you sing it to him? You are. You are way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are. 
way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Oh, one more time, you are. You are way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Oh, sing it one more time, church, you are. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Oh, let's give them praise tonight. Father, we worship you, God. Hallelujah. I want to pray for people here specifically. Don't you hear me out? I want to be specific about this. I don't want to, I don't want people who obviously we hear from God. You know, we come to the sermons, God deals with you, and you're working some things out, right? But there might be people here who God has told you to do something, but you're putting it off. You're not doing it. Right? Delayed obedience is disobedience. So this sermon was for you. The seal of righteousness and all that God is saying. And I want you to hear me out. I know this might cause some, might ruffle some, some theological feathers here tonight. But God's, God's not saying you're going to hell. But God's saying is you're hindering your impact. Because it's hard to give you what you've been asking for, the callings, the, the disciples, the people, when you're not living a righteous life, you're not obeying me. And that can be several different things. It can be sin. It can, it can be in a character issue. It can, it can be in a, some attitude that God's dealing with you. But it's in our Bible, with Abraham, there were several times, right? God dealt with him about his son, and then God dealt with him about the circumcision. And every time... He was able to obey, and that's why God says, I can, I can give you this. I can, I can make you the father of all. I can give you these titles. I can mention your name. Every single one of us here in this place, God has a destiny for you. An incredible purpose that me as a mere man can't even put in words. But it comes through this. That's you here tonight. And what you want to say is, God, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it here. Listen, these sermons, I want you to understand, I write them. God's dealing with me. Amen? There is something in my life that I needed to do. I made a decision. I did it. I got it done. And God's just saying, listen, let's, let's get it done. Let's move forward from here. Let's continue to seek all that, that God had, that I had for you. That's you here tonight. You're saying, you know what, God, I'm going to do it. So I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to do it tonight. That's you. I want you to come forward. this means this is between you and God right between you and God but the picture that I want you to to have is the picture right of, of Isaac being laid down God asked him for his son he might have had a million questions in his mind but he trusted God he said God I'm just I, I trust your character I trust who you are I trust that you love me you're not going to hurt me 
So this is why I'm going to obey you. And that's the spirit that you guys need to enter this. It might hurt. It might cause some pain. I don't, I don't know exactly what it is. But if you'll do it, there's destiny on the other side of it. Does that make sense? I want you to raise your hands. I want you to pray with me. Say, Father God, I hear you tonight. And I choose to worship you and to dedicate my life, my body, my decisions to righteousness. I will obey with what you have been dealing with me all this time. I repent from disobedience. I repent from delayed obedience. I will choose you and obey you today, tonight, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give God praise.